Thank you very much for leading us in music. Sometimes the adults don't have courage to, to be super active, and we've got the teenagers doing it, leading the way. Thank you so much. Many ways and many places to share Jesus, so thank you for leading out in the music today. Let's have a word of prayer as we continue with our service. Father in heaven, may you continue to lead in our service today. May you continue to put your words in my mouth, which is needed and important, but it's only half the equation. I pray that you would put your presence all around those sitting here and those watching through uh, the electronic devices that they have at home. May you communicate with all of them that they can hear you and not me so that there's something useful, encouraging, convicting, but that nobody is confused into thinking that it's the pastor stepping on toes or any of that useless thought, but that people would be truly hearing you through the Bible and that they would want to hear you and mix it with faith and let you do whatever you feel best in their lives for their privilege and for your glory. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll turn with me in your Bible or your smartphone or a tablet, the book of Acts, the book of Acts chapter 19. Acts 19, we'll be starting in verse 1 and 2. <coughs> Acts 19 Verse 1 and 2, Luke writes, It happened while Apollos was at Corinth. Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No. We haven't even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. The sermon series we're going to be starting today, well actually we started last week, we'll be continuing for the next several months. We'll be looking at what God did in the community in Ephesus. And not only was God doing something in Ephesus, He was specifically doing something in a new church plant in Ephesus which I find kind of fun and interesting because Crosswalk fancies themselves as a new church plant. Fourteen years ago, in a couple of days, this place never existed. Crosswalk never existed. Fourteen short years ago, somebody had the great idea to plant a brand new church. A few others said, hey, yeah, let's be a part of it. Let's try it. And Debbie and Michelle and Brian and David and a few others said, yeah, let's, let's help out. And then in time that others said, yeah, we'll be a part of it, we'll be a part of it. It's not that long ago this church plant never existed. And Paul rolled into Ephesus and he found a new church plant. As you read the Scriptures, you'll find it mentioned in a few places. You'll find the book, of, you'll find the, what God was doing in Ephesians with the people in Ephesus. You'll find it in the book of Acts. You'll find it in the book of Ephesians, of course. You'll find it in First and Second Timothy because Paul left Timothy behind in Ephesus, and they also get mentioned again in the book of Revelation. So they actually get a quite a bit of 
of, of, of uh, publicity in the, in the Bible. Ephesus was quite a unique community. <coughs> Ephesus, they, uh, as Paul is, is going here to Ephesus for the first time as a Christian, it was approximately 24 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. 24 years later. And they had started a new church plant, and this was about four to seven years after they'd started their new church plant, four to seven years later. And Ephesus was one of the more prominent cities in the world. They had around 250 to 300,000 citizens in the community. And that was just in the immediate, but they had lots of tourists and soldiers and businessmen that were always there because it was a really big hub. Back then, it was considered really a special, special city. And uh, we'll get into a lot of the things that made them so special, <laughs> but in some ways it would be, it would be more prominent like a, than a New Jersey uh, Atlantic City today. Whatever you wanted, they had it. They had art, they had entertainment, they had sports, farming, fishing, they had a, a, a thriving business, they had importing, they had exporting. They had, in their day, the equivalent of interstates. The Roman soldiers, they wanted to get their people around as quick as possible. So some of the interstates, what they call interstates, made of brick roads, were going through Ephesus, bringing in even more people and more business. I mean, they, they were into sports. They, this is, uh, you go back a, a slide there. <laughs> this was their library. Their library back then had over 15,000 books that they've discovered, but they probably had more. Um, they had their own hospital. I mean, th this was quite a place. If you go to the next slide, the, the actual center of this business, the center of the, you know, their downtown, <clears throat> was about five miles off the Aegean Sea. <clears throat> so, so to give you a little map here in your mind, you had the Atlantic Ocean, then you got the Mediterranean Sea, then you go up just a little bit north, then you got the Aegean Sea. And they were, this city was, at least the center of it, was about five miles east of the Aegean Sea. Well, that wasn't close enough for them, so what they did is they put a lot of money and effort into it, and they built their own river connecting the Aegean Sea to downtown Ephesus. So once, once somebody came in on their fancy boat or shipping and exporting and importing, once you got out of your boat, the very first step you would take would be on this road that you still see fragments of now. The road that you see there was actually two and a half times wider than the city streets today in America. And it was marble. It was marble. They re when you stepped into that town, they wanted you to think, wow, I mean, this is 2,000 years ago. I mean, they had, so they had running water, they had free sexuality, prostitution, they had business. I mean, they were capitalism. We know what that's like in America. I mean, we want to make some money, and we want you to be entertained. They even threw in sports and education, all, and they wanted to look fancy. You stepped into that town, you walked on marble streets, wide, impressive, 50-foot columns on either side of the street, and statues, and bathhouses, public restrooms, fancy businesses, and really nice houses. This was someplace special. They, they wanted everybody to believe in, 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 in this, what do you call it, the power of Ephesus. Something 
there was special. <clears throat> Probably their, their most, their, their second most popular, their second most famous, their second biggest attraction was what you see there. It was their stadium. As I said, they were really into entertainment. So on one side was, was, the, was the water, and then there was uh, this fancy marble street. And on the other side was the stadium. And the stadium actually seated 25,000 people. This, it, it seats 5,000 more people than Dallas Mavericks basketball professional stadium. It's about five to 8,000 people more can sit in that than any NBA arena in America. They wanted the big, they wanted it amazing, and they built it into the side of the hill, so they had this built-in, they had this built-in sound system. They didn't need all the fancy microphones. Just speak loud, and, and the way it was built, their voice just carried. I mean, they had some engineers. And as amazing as all these things were, and I've only just shared a few things that were amazing, what they were most known for, many people probably wouldn't even guess. <clears throat> what they were most known for, I mean, you could travel countries away, distant, distant countries. Actually, Ephesus, something in, in their town, something in their town made everybody consider this community the seventh, one of the seven wonders of the known world. Can you imagine that? If your town was so awesome and so prominent that they considered something in your town one of the seven wonders of the world. Wouldn't that be cool? Well, where do you, where do you live, Amandita? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I live in Ephesus, of course. <laughs> wow! You live in Ephesus. That must be amazing. They've got it all. And especially, you have the Temple of Artemis. Or depending if you're identified as Greek or, or Roman, they'd call it the, the Temple of Artemis or the Temple of Diana. Because Ephesus, above everything else, they were most known for their religion. Ephesus was a very, very, very religious town. Very religious town. In this um, temple here, it's, it's the best rendition I could find, <clears throat> but it, it's a little grainy. But this um, temple is what they housed this statue in. They, they uh, pretended, they assumed that the statue had fallen from heaven and this Diana, they thought that um, uh, it was the, one of the daughters of Zeus and that she was a goddess over um, the body and over hunting and various other things. They actually, in their, their theology, thought that she could save people and etc. Anyway, they thought Diana was this goddess and the daughter of Zeus. And so they built this fancy temple for her <laughs> and... Um, in that, that temple was about as tall as a modern 20-story building. I mean, it was quite the building back 2,000 years ago. And people would travel from distant countries just to come and worship Diana and be a part of it. They thought, man, she was something else. They printed their own money and, and had, had, her, <laughs> had her face on it and her image. And... Um, just like any tourist attraction, when you have a lot of tourists making a bunch of money off the tourists and you sell a bunch of trinkets that are connected to whatever that thing is, and they did that same thing with, with her. 
It'd be like I said, a modern-day Vegas or modern-day Atlantic City, but more like Vegas because Vegas is a bigger deal these days. If gambling shut down, I mean, Vegas is not, I mean, Vegas shuts down if gambling disappears. Ephesus existed to worship Diana. They were religious. This is the community Paul rolls into. This is the place Paul rolls into. Acts 19, 1 through 3. It happened while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples in this town. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, no. We haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit. In verse 3, the next logical question is that he asks, well, in what were you baptized into? They said, well, we were baptized into John the Baptist's message, basically. When Paul came to this city, he met with a group that started their new church plant four to seven years ago. When Paul met them the first time, he noticed their challenge. But he didn't tell them, because that sometimes offends people. So he asked them these two questions so they could discover it for themselves. He asked them the two questions that we just read right here. And uh, they said, well, we haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit. We got baptized because <laughs> we heard this message about John the Baptist. And so we got baptized in, into, you know, his stuff. Well, John the Baptist's stuff, if you simplify, it was basically two things. One, repent. And uh, repent, biblically, it's just basically meant to change your mind about sin, uh, to, to be regretting sin, and to turning away from sin, <laughs> which are good things, but uh, in and of themselves, unique because the human being, apart from something else, isn't so great at simply doing that. For example, if, if, if the mom or the dad beats their spouse and their kids... 10 times a month, regretting that you just did that doesn't simply mean, oh, well, next month it won't happen because I, I regretted it. Statistical odds are pretty high you'll do it again. You could regret it again, but I know plenty of people who've done drugs and they, man, they regret it, but they're addicted, so they do it again. Or they drink, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that, and they regret it, but they do it again. Or watch pornography, they regret it, but they do it again etc., etc. Regret doesn't necessarily change the whole thing. But there is an element to that that's very helpful because it actually gets people thinking about, man, they would really like some lasting long-term change that I'm not really capable of it myself, which leads to John the Baptist's second point of his message, which was believe in the one, the one coming after me because that person can actually help you. And, uh, of course, that person is Jesus. And uh, as, as um, Jesus is the one that would help them. Uh, I would imagine their process went something like this. <laughs> years ago, at some point, there was a tourist. At some point years ago, there was a tourist that came into Ephesus. And it's probably realistic that he was Jewish. 
And he went into the town and he said, hey, I see that you're all very religious. Your life would be better. I, I see that you really believe in, in this Ephesus. And I see you really believe in, in religion. And this, this Jewish tourist probably helped him see life would be better if you believed in the one true God of heaven. And, 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 and he shared with people. And some of them believed and some didn't. And I imagine over the time, throughout the year, someone else came in town, a tourist, and he said, hey, have you heard of John the Baptist? I see that you really believe in Ephesus, and you really believe in religion, and, and some of you even believe in the true God of heaven. Have you heard of John the Baptist? And I would imagine some believed him, and some didn't. And as that process continued, some heard of the message, and some of those believed John's message, and some didn't. And as you go through that line, that chain of communication, that's just natural, and it's just, you know, little bits here and there, and some tourist says something, and a friend, and a coworker, and a, someone you meet in the streets, and <clears throat> as that just continues to go, peop, some people are hearing it, and some people are saying yes, but most people are saying no. And as you go through that process, because it's 24 years after Jesus died and resurrected, pulling dead people, making them alive, making people who couldn't walk, they now walk. People who couldn't see, now they see. It would be extremely unusual for such a prominent town with tons of tourists and a Jewish church, and they've heard about John the Baptist. It's 24 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, and it's not that far from, when, from where uh, the Apostle Paul had his conversion. Do we think 24 years later, nobody's heard of Jesus? I don't think so. You get to think your own thoughts. I highly doubt that. What I think is more possible is that in this process of some hearing about God the Father, and some accepted Him, some didn't, and then the pool just starts shrinking. Well, some heard about John the Baptist. Yeah, but not everybody accepted it. They heard His message, but not everybody accepted it. I would venture to guess, and that's just my interpretation, there were some that heard about Jesus, but they thought, yeah, but he's not the one. He's not the one. <clears throat> as, as the Apostle Paul rolls into town, he notices something. He notices something. How is it that you have 250,000 to 300,000 people in town? You've got a Jewish synagogue. You've got a new church plant that believes in the mess of John the Baptist. In this new church plant, after four to seven years, you're small. What, why are you so small still? And so, Paul asked them the question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no. So, well, what are you guys getting baptized? Are you getting baptized? Are you getting baptized? And if so, what are you getting baptized into? It should be more than just water. What's your experience? So he was asking them and questioning them. And I think as Luke was writing it down, he abbreviated, but the abbreviated version here, what he's sharing is in verse five, 4 and 5. 
Paul said, well, John baptized, because my opinion, and he gave him a little longer Bible study, but it shrunk here, basically, verse 4 and 5. So they said, well, we, we got baptized because we heard the message of John the Baptist, and only some of them did, not very many. And so, John, so he said, well, John the Baptist's message was a repentance, telling them to, and believing the one who was coming after him, that is, believe in Jesus. Verse 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Because when you're baptized into Jesus, things get different when it's a true, sincere heart experience. It's different. <coughs> Jesus, as the Scriptures teach, you can see it in John chapter 16, you see it in 1 Corinthians 2.16 and many other places, that the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit does basically in layman terms is the Holy Spirit takes Jesus and he puts him in your brain. So you have Jesus' thoughts, feelings, actions, and motives. If Jesus likes to go do that and think that and say that, then he kind of whispers to you, hey, let's do that. If Jesus doesn't like that, he's going to whisper to your brain, man, I, we don't do that. So it's really, I mean, it is extreme. It doesn't, ma doesn't matter what country you're from, the color of your skin, your education, your income. All those things are secondary. The way God made the human brain is if, G if the Holy Spirit, if you believe, the Holy Spirit puts Jesus in our brain. It's not possible to live life if you're a sincere believer and be disconnected. Because if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit puts Jesus in your brain, and then all it takes is a couple of minutes, depending on what the issue is, maybe a couple hours, maybe a day, but within seven days, within seven days, you can't go seven days without having a Jesus experience if He's in you. I'll give you evidence. <laughs> let's say, let's say, um, we were back in Ephesus back in the day, and um, some, of the, some of the housewives, they, they, they were of lower income, and man, they, times are tough, and they knew, they knew, because they, you know, there's, they're, some of the neighbor ladies are friends, and they knew right at one o'clock, the spice traders, they, they'd already hit their peak, and at one o'clock, the spice traders, for 15 minutes, used the restroom, got a quick bite to eat in, in bet between 1 and 1.15, and then they came back. And so there's a couple of those real wise housewives who during that 15-minute window, they would go down when all their stuff was out, and they would just take some of it when they were gone for 15 minutes. Not everything, and they've got money, so they're going to be okay. It's, you know, we find ways to excuse it. Well, if Jesus is going in your brain now, what did the Ten Commandments say? Thou shall not steal. And just in case you're confused and you think that God doesn't care, that, well, the Ten Commandments are gone and all that kind of other silly stuff, if you steal even in a country that believes in morals, not even God, whatever their God is, if they just simply believe in morals and protecting a business owner's property, you'll get put in jail for stealing. So even atheists think that's not so great. So if Jesus is running through their brain in Ephesus, 
guess what's going to happen on Monday at 1 o'clock? Or more like at 1230 when, when their friend Barbara says, hey, hey, June, now's the time. We've got to go down to the spice market and we're going to get some stuff today. And if Jesus is now in your brain, you would say, different people can word it in different ways, but the bottom line is you'd say what, Amanita? You'd say, I just, I can't, if you were cautious and shy, you'd say, I'm not feeling good today. If you're more bold, you'd say, well, I can't because I've accepted a new God. His name's Jesus, and he just thinks that I shouldn't do that anymore. However you want to word it, you don't go down there and take that anymore. And it doesn't take five years to kind of have your friends in your circle figure that out, that, oh, Barbara doesn't steal anymore. It doesn't take that long. <laughs> it shouldn't take that long for 300,000 people to figure out, oh, Barbara's different. They were very liberal. They are very open about a lot of things. <laughs> when they'd get off work and, and the guys used to go to a place and, and, and drink certain things and uh, experience certain uh, women and do certain things, and now Jesus is running through your brain. It wouldn't take that long before the guys said, hey, we always do this on Wednesday nights or Friday nights. We, what do they call it today? Let off a little steam, have some fun, whatever excuses we want to call it. We still do it today. Hey, God bless America. We're living the high life. There's entire industries built on that. And if we are foolish enough to think that it still doesn't impact Christianity, we're confused. They did it back then. If you're a Christian back then, the Holy Spirit would say, if you want to have fun, God created fun. Liquid doesn't make life more fun. And if you want to have fun, that's fantastic. But doing those inappropriate things with some of these women doesn't make life more fun. And if they really had Jesus in them, it wouldn't have taken seven years for the new church plant for the community to actually figure out, oh, Jesus living in you, that's actually not great. It doesn't take that long. Because it doesn't matter what country you live in, or what language you speak, or your income, or your skin color, or if you're male or female, or if you're young and old, we all have stuff we believe in. If you believe in exercising, you're going to exercise. My wife believes in it. She does it. If you believe in sports, you go play them. If you're really into football, you'll watch it. Oh, we can't afford to, to have cable. Then you'll invite yourself to the neighbors or friends. Or you go to a restaurant where you don't even have to buy anything. You go to like a bowling alley. You just sit down and you watch the game for free. On the if you believe in something you will find a way to do it. And if these people really believed in something powerful from the God of heaven, you could not avoid it. They and the people around them would have noticed. Because all of our beliefs, you just can't miss them. And if it's something that's being missed, it's not very high on your list of beliefs. I know plenty of people think, yeah, God's real. Well, Satan thinks God's real too. 
But that isn't very high in his belief system. That's why it never affects his life. Real beliefs impact us every moment of the day. The Ephesians <coughs> read with me in verse 10. As Luke writes, he's writing this after the fact. Looking back as he writes, he, he, he's basically seeing that something was taking place after they encountered Paul and after they had some experience. There were some things taking place for two years, only two years. Remember, they existed between four and seven years already. But now, after this experience, within a short two years, 24 months, everyone that lived in Asia Minor heard about Jesus. Jews and Greeks. Man, what happened within two years to make such a big splash? Theologians, uh, historians teach that in that it's basically part of, not all of it, but part of modern-day Turkey. They think that in Asia Minor there was about one million people. 250 to 300,000 people in Ephesus, but in Asia Minor, about 250 to 300,000 people. And according to Luke, within approximately two years, everybody heard the message of the Lord. What happened to go from like nothing to everybody hearing in 24 months? Well, Luke actually writes about it here, starting in verse 2, and we'll read through it. Did you receive, Paul asked them when he first met them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we haven't even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. He said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, well, into John's baptism, his message. Paul said, well, John baptized the baptism of repentance, but he also told people to believe in the one who is coming after him, that is, believe in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began speaking, some with tongues, others were prophesying. And there were in all about 12 people. 12. Paul entered the synagogue and continued speaking boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way, before the people, Paul withdrew them and took away the disciples and began reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. This is what took place for two years, so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jew and Greek. The people who were there, <clears throat> just like before, people were listening. Those who chose to mingle faith with what they heard God worked in them and through them. And they did the most amazing things. You can go to the next slide. <coughs> Here's the stuff that they did. Luke is paraphrasing and giving us a, a little blueprint. They admitted they weren't having the Holy Spirit, which simply means, and this is not very fun to hear, meant they weren't growing. Meant they weren't growing. It didn't mean, oh, well, you know, it's some big political, well, we... No, 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 no. It meant that the actual person wasn't growing. They had to admit they weren't growing. 
They had repent of their sin. They believed in Jesus. And they were baptized in Jesus. And as well, there was more. They were anointed for ministry. (laughs) They were anointed for ministry. They were active in ministry. And they were connected to a Christ-centered, discipling church. Paul wasn't able to reach a million people by himself. Paul was doing these things, training and discipling, helping the people, and Jesus, through a group, was able to reach that whole area. It doesn't say everybody accepted Jesus. It doesn't say everybody believed. It said they did their part, and they believed, and they shared. Some believed, and some didn't, and they just shared. And then God did some amazing stuff. Next week, we will look at the results. We'll look at the results. If you want to read ahead, if you like to do that, read the rest of chapter 19 between now and next week. You would, it's like a Hollywood movie. It's just mind-blowing what God did with a few believers. It's, it's earth-shaking. They literally were shaking the earth. Their economy was challenged. Their literal economy was challenged because of a few believers. But that's for next week. Today in closing, today in closing, I just want to ask a very practical, simple question. If you go back to the other previous slides, my practical question is, are you applying not, not your daughter, not your mother, not your neighbor. Are you applying these elements that Paul mentioned? Are you applying these elements? Do you still need to be baptized? Is there something that... that you're missing? Is there something that you want Jesus or, or myself or an elder or somebody to continue to help you, help you so you understand more? That, oh, yeah, I see that, but I don't understand that. Or, God wants you. God wants you. It's easy to think of these Ephesians, and we'll get into week after week after week. It's always easier for human beings to say, man, how could they miss the message and how about this and why that? Man, they could have and they should have. And, and that's interesting for a scholarly sense. But, in, but at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit's just saying, hey, where are you at? I, I, I can't do any of that for you. Just like you can't do it for me. I have to, for my own self, say, hey, how am I doing with these elements? And that's what the Holy Spirit's wanting to impress upon you. How are you doing with these elements? Because Jesus, Jesus wants to help you as well as the whole church to be complete, to be active, and to be helpful. Crosswalk is doing some nice stuff but because God is so amazing, He could take about approximately a dozen people 
and he reached the entire city and around a million people in two years. <clears throat> to put a little, for those who are here in person, to put a little practical picture on it, that'd be like saying, myself in this little section over here, within two years, about a million people around us will hear about Jesus because of us. I mean, wow. Wow. Your one smartphone has more ability than everything they had at their... Hold up your, your fancy phones, whoever brought one here. Just this section over here. Who brought a little fancy phone this morning? Yeah, you got one. Everyone's shy now all of a sudden. <coughs> we all have one pretty much, even the, even the young ones. We have more ability in this than anybody had in that town. You can reach everybody on Facebook, and they didn't have any such thing. They just had to do it old-fashioned. Some were women. Yes, God even used women. They were anointed for ministry. God did amazing stuff with those people. Imagine what he could do if we continued, not start, because I think he's already started, but imagine if we continue to let him use us. People on the stage here are bilingual. We've got people here that speak Latvian, Russian, French, Spanish, Portuguese. We even kick in some English once in a while. We have so much more money than they ever had. The Holy Spirit, when he was speaking to them, the Holy Spirit was trying to encourage them to believe in Jesus. Not like they believed in that goddess Diana, where it had no effect on their lives, but real faith, where it changes what you watch. It changes what you listen to. It changes what you do. It changes where you go. It affects us to the point it's impossible. It's impossible to live life and to bump into other cool teenagers and not have that conversation. Oh, yeah, I'm not comfortable doing that. Well, why not? Jesus wants to be so prominent in our life. It's impossible. It's impossible to go seven days and not have to explain Jesus because he, he, he's making choices for us. And if we don't like that, we're making choices for him. And it's not a good choice. I don't want you to affect me. I want to be with those cool kids. No, 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 no. I'm going to go do it. I'm sorry, Jesus, but I'm just telling you no. That's not a good long-term plan. Take a look at Acts 19 later today and uh, continue to grow in Jesus.